I was reminded that this is the season of the cross, and I'm sure Pastor Pete has been preaching uh, about the life and the gospel of Jesus and the upcoming uh, Holy Week and Easter Sunday, two weeks from today. And so I thought I would uh, preach a sermon today that would, uh, well, I didn't decide, but now I know why the Lord led me in this direction. It's about how Jesus came to this world of needy people. And they not only need him, but they need us to kind of help introduce them to each other. And so in this message this morning is a message of uh, how Jesus came and the circumstances of his life and the circumstances of his time and how it all came together to be a successful story. God's plan never fails, even though all around us things are very difficult. But he, when he comes to our situation, when he comes into our lives, he makes the difference. I'm reading today from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 15. Uh, this is, of course, the introduction of Jesus. He was unknown to the world until after these verses are read. Uh, and there are three difficult circumstances that are mentioned here that uh, show that his time did not come until he had gone through these things. And so listen closely as I read to you about the experiences that he had before he came to people and became known by them. Mark chapter 1 verse 9, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Shall we pray together? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together in your name today, to worship together with this theme in mind, how you made every sacrifice, how you met every circumstance, how you became our model and our example, but more than anything, you became our Savior. And even today, you are interceding before the throne of God for us and our needs. So we invite your coming, Lord, to our day, to our time to our life and to our circumstances. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your presence will be felt today and that we may once again wonder and worship because you came to meet our every need. We ask in your name. Amen. Jesus came. What tremendous significance is wrapped up in that little phrase. What exciting differences were made in people's lives when Jesus came to them. If we were to go through all of the Gospels and mark the events that took place when Jesus came, we would have a great diary of faith and life-changing experience. 
And I would point out today that it wasn't just his public appearances, his teaching in the synagogues or his preaching from the mountaintops, and the public miracles that he did and the, and the feeding of the thousands, all the different things that he did in a public way were very important. But when he ministered to the multitudes, he never lost sight of the needy one person that he could see in the midst of the crowd. Jesus touched people's lives in a private way. He touched them in little five-minute encounters along the way while he was hurrying, or rather his disciples were hurrying him on to go to something important, something public, something big. He would notice a need in the crowd. A woman touched the hem of his garment one day and he stopped and ministered to her need. Just a short stop. He heard a, a man crying out in his darkness and blindness one day, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he stopped. His disciples wanted him to go on to something public, something important, something big. But he stopped and met the need of individuals along the way. That's what ministry is all about. Preaching is a part of it. And as a pastor for 39 years, uh, preaching was a big part of my ministry. I believe in the importance of preaching public sermons, but I discovered there was a whole lot more to the job than preaching on Sunday mornings. And back then we even preached on Sunday nights and sometimes on Wednesday nights. <laughs> but uh, times are changing and things are changing and a whole new area of ministry is opening up to all of us. And just as that video uh, shared with us today, there are people all around us who need us because they need Jesus, but they need us to kind of pave the way and bring them into the kingdom of God. I want to picture Jesus today just as we are seeing him introduced in the gospel. We don't know him yet. We haven't seen him yet. We haven't heard him yet, okay? That's our mindset today as we think about Jesus being introduced to a world that was not quite ready to receive him. You see, his coming was not a ready-made success story, even though it was a part of God's plan. The time had come and the plan was in place, but it wasn't a ready-made success story. He came as a baby worshipped by shepherds and wise men and all the beauty of the Christmas story that we just celebrated three short months ago. And then uh, he found out that there were those who were not happy about his birth. He came from the splendor of heaven where everything was harmonious and everything was done according to the will of God. He came to a world down below where such was not the case. He came into his own people and to as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. But some people, most people perhaps did not receive him. So you see, it wasn't a ready-made success story. There were some very trying circumstances in the world of his day. It was a time of crisis and danger, kind of like our time. We are living in different times. And for those of you who are on my end of the age spectrum, you recognize it perhaps more than the very young who came into this world and found it as it is today. There are a lot of trying circumstances in our world, but he changed our world with his coming. And he still does. When Jesus came into our world, is indicated by the word after. 
Some of the most significant events in our lives happen after something else happens. What has happened in your life? Good things? Bad things? A little of each? A lot of both? No matter. When Jesus comes to your time and your place and your circumstance and your life, he can make the difference. I remember a number of years ago, I attended the wedding of a young man. Actually, I participated in the wedding of a young man who had grown up and had, was already a working man, starting his career, starting his studies. And he had a lot of time to spend fishing and hunting, which I shared these things with him in some ways. But uh, his mother and I got concerned once in a while about he didn't seem to have any interest in meeting someone and, and uh, having a family. And we'd talk to him about it. And uh, yes, I'm talking about Eric. You've already guessed that. He, he always indicated something to the effect. I don't remember the exact words, but uh, something about, I'm not, I don't have time for that nonsense. But, but Eric, you, you, you need to Settle down and have a, find a wife and have kids. All kids are just brats. I don't want any kids, you know. And, uh, but at that wedding, something significant took place. Now, I was sharing the uh, wedding uh, ceremony with uh, Gretchen's pastor, and so he was, he was doing the uh, primary uh, part of the, of the wedding ceremony, and he came to a phrase that, we don't hear anymore in wedding ceremonies. We've modernized the language a little bit. But he came to the words, wilt thou? And it was that point, I believe, in Eric's life that he wilted. <laughs> and uh, established a marriage and a home and a family. And we do not dare even mention the word brats about one of his children. Oh, hell, he... They're the joy of his life. But that's just an example of, of uh, the circumstances that I'm talking about. Things that happen, good things and bad things and, and all of that. After that happens, you will notice the change. There will be a difference in a person's life. Now, when Jesus came into Galilee, as we read right here, it was at, now I'm doing this backwards. I'm going to the arrest and imprisonment of John the Baptist and his execution. He came after that took place. I don't think that we understand what a disappointment it was for the people of that day to lose John the Baptist and his ministry. That was one of the most glorious times in Israel's history. In fact, the Bible says it was 400 years since they had a revival like that or before they'd heard from God in that special way out there in the wilderness, and they were so excited. And Jesus asked them the question one time, what'd you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind and, you know, well, I'll tell you what they saw when they went out into the wilderness. We don't major on this because we think about John the Baptist and his preaching, but do you know what he looked like? Do you know what he wore? Do you know whether he had any social graces or not? It wasn't too good. He was, a, he was a hermit of the desert. He was a man, we are told, who wore a coat made out of camel's hair 
And uh, this was way before the day of Harley-Davidson motorcycles, but he wore a leather girdle. Now, I'm not making this up. You've probably read it. He, he was dressed in unusual fashion. And he wasn't really the most mannerly person. He was very rough and gruff in his preaching and his behavior. And, you know, and he just laid it out to the people. And they, they loved it because they didn't go to see that somebody was wearing the right kind of clothes or had the right kind of social graces. They were hearing a message from God and from heaven. John the Baptist's diet was a little unusual too. He usually ate things like locusts and wild honey. Is there any restaurants around here that serve that? I asked Eric today, where are we going to eat? Do they have any place that serves locusts and wild honey? He couldn't think of any place. Can you imagine how tired John was when he was a little boy named Johnny? And he'd be eating his dinner and his mother would say something like, now, Johnny, no more honey until you eat, finish your locusts. I mean, that was different. It was strange. Why would anybody go out and hear this man, this hermit of the desert, with his unusual appearance and behavior and lack of social grace? He had a message from God. It wasn't just the preaching in the wilderness, a chance to go out and camp for a while. He had a message from God that overshadowed all the circumstances and appearances in his life. And now after preaching and teaching for quite a long time and until Jesus came to be baptized, and we'll get to that too, but uh, after that, John was arrested and imprisoned. And Jesus had not yet started his own public ministry. And so uh, Herod, the king, had stopped all that great mighty movement of God by arresting John and executing him. And the people probably were very disillusioned that anything great could happen in their world as long as men like Herod could defeat that purpose whenever they wanted to. And then Jesus came. That unfortunate circumstance of the loss of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been telling, you know, I'm just a voice. I I must decrease. I'll, I'll be out of business before long, but there comes one after me. He's the one to listen to. He's the one that will fulfill everything that I have shared with you as a hope and a promise from God. And that's exactly what happened. But back up a little further now. We're going backwards, remember. We are told that Jesus came into Galilee after the assault of Satan, which was right after the baptism. You know, I mentioned good times, bad times. Jesus hadn't even dried off yet from his baptism in the Jordan River and There he was out in the dusty desert again for the express purpose of meeting Satan and being tempted 40 days in the wilderness. That enemy of God and man painted every pretty picture he could make of of what Jesus could do to, to achieve greatness. Why he could make bread out of stones. And there were a lot of stones and rocks laying out there in the desert. Extend some kind of a social program and 
promise to feed the people and you'll have followers. And that's, that's true. Satan, paid a, Satan painted a pretty picture of that. Here's what you can do. You don't have to go to that cross that you're appointed to go to. You can do it this way. You can, you can uh, perform religious magic shows. You can get on top of one of the temple, the upper reaches of the temple, you know, the spire or the whatever they had on the temple. You can jump down and, and watch angels fly down and, and uh, scoop, scoop you up before you fall and hurt yourself on the stones below. Well, I'd have to admit that'd be pretty impressive. I heard back a few years ago, you young people probably don't remember Evil Knievel, but he was a, he was a great motorcycle, right? He did all kind of tricks and things with motorcycle, dangerous, death-defying tricks. And uh, he had crowds. He, people would come and watch him jump with his motorcycle over 14 school buses, you know, and land on the other side. Man, what a great thing he's doing. Let's pay good money and go out and see him. He would even, I think, try to jump. He jumped over a canyon one time to land on the other side. Now, a few times he ended up with broken bones and legs and whatever, but he, he survived for quite a while. I don't know whatever happened to him. I guess he got tired of doing his, his shows. But I, I heard about a Kentucky preacher one time. Anybody here from Kentucky? I'm not disparaging Kentucky, but there was a Kentucky preacher who thought, you know, I'm going to have to do something to get people attending church. And he read up on Evil Knievel and all, all that he had done, and he got a little bit confused. He ended up getting a school bus, or a church bus maybe, and he was, announced that he was going to jump 14 motorcycles. <laughs> he got it a little backwards, and I don't think a lot of people started coming to his church because of that. <laughs> but you see, we, we, we have this idea that the 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 way to reach the world is to, is to do something special, do something strong, do something magical, do something risky, and the world will love us. Well, you look at the entertainment world today, you talk about risky business and the things that they get involved in with drugs and, and, uh, and all kinds of abuses of the body. Satan tempted Jesus with that. Come on, jump off the temple and show people the angels will look after you. Or he said, if you really want to take a shortcut, bow down and worship me. And when you're in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights, and you haven't had any bread or drink, you know, all of that sounded like, you know, man, here's the easy way out. Jesus was tempted just like we are. Here's the easy way out. I don't have to go to the cross except for the fact that this is the path God has chosen for me. And he would not turn from his appointed path. It was after Jesus decided that, that he came into Galilee. But let's back up even further. We are told that Jesus came into Galilee after the descent of the Spirit on the day of his baptism by John in the Jordan River. It says he saw the heavens torn open. That's the New International Version, by the way, from which I read. He saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now that's why the arrest of John the Baptist could not discourage Jesus. And the assault of Satan could not defeat him. 
His life was filled and his work was empowered by the Spirit of God. And it was after these things happened in their proper order and timing that Jesus came into Galilee and in three short years changed our world forever. Now here's a thought. If your life isn't going anywhere, it may be that you haven't been anywhere yet. Now I'm not just playing with words, but I'm trying to make a point here. Everything that Jesus did was timed according to God's purpose after certain other things had taken place. And so my question to you is, do you have any past experiences in your life that served as that turning point to let Jesus come into your life and work a miracle or make a change? The biggest thing, of course, is being saved from sin, repenting of your sins. John the Baptist and Jesus both, that was their starting point. Repent, change your life with the power of God, of course, and believe the gospel. Follow on and obey and serve and your whole life will be transformed. Boy, anybody who started off on that journey, and I started it a long time ago, and many of you folks have, you know there are some pitfalls along the way. So what's happened in your life? Has anything happened that has provided an opening for God's will to be revealed to you and for God's plan and purpose to be fulfilled in you? This is what the Scripture is all about, the example of Jesus. We all want ready-made instant success. We think things like, and these are important, I'm not disparaging them, but we think things like uh, joining the church or being baptized or, or uh, doing the work of, and the ministry of the church, that's all wonderful stuff. But the real thing that needs to happen is for Jesus to come into your heart and make a difference. And I've heard testimonies here this morning about dark days. We have those dark days in our lives when we, we're not sure. God, are you here? These awful things that happened, the, the, the bus accident uh, out in, I forget where it was, 13 senior adults, the church group, a terrible accident on the highway that uh, a young man texting and driving survived the accident. Can you imagine the burden of guilt that he's going to feel about that? But good things happen to bad, I mean, bad things happen to good people. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and use the other part. Good things happen to bad people too. <laughs> and that's why a lot of people, you know, are, are happy and content with their lives, you know, and they don't give a lot of thought to God and his will and his purpose. But everything in life has a purpose. We can work and live as Jesus did through the power of the Spirit. Well, when Jesus came, that's very significant, but I also want to deal with why he came. This is indicated by the word preaching. He came preaching. Satan had raged and John had been caged and Jesus' response to all that was coming into Galilee and preaching. Now, this is where a preacher could say, ah, that's my kind of story. I like that. But Jesus' preaching, as I've already indicated, was not just public preaching, preaching great sermons and having inspiring moments with large groups of people. It was an everyday thing. Preaching was his witness, his life work, those five-minute encounters with people. Now, a lot of people today respond to the bad things or the good things that happen in the world by 
by protest. There are paid protesters. They tell me, you know, a lot of the people who, uh, who are really campaigning for Mother Earth and, uh, you know, no, no uh, trash, no uh, nothing, you know, that would hinder Mother Earth. You know what they have to do after one of those Mother Earth protests? The garbage workers have to come in and clean up tons and tons of McDonald's sandwich wrappers and French fries and styrofoam cups, and, you know. Protesting with a good purpose, I guess, but leaving behind the evidence of a mixed motive. It's not what we're talking about. Jesus' response to the evil of his day was not to stage a march or a sit-in or a revolt or just go into hiding somewhere and take a few followers out in the wilderness and wait on the, what was it, the Hale-Bopp Comet a few years ago. This group was out in California on a mountaintop waiting for the Hale-Bopp Comet to come and Take them away. Wow. So many ways to respond to the evil of this world with more evil, with negative promises. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that or we're going we're to see to it that it's done because we don't like what's going on. But Jesus, he didn't respond to the bad news with more bad news. He came preaching, ministering, serving, loving people. Preaching the good news of God is always a positive message. Herod and men like him are always fighting against truth, and that's bad news. Satan is always tempting and painting pretty pictures of sin and unbelief and all the behaviors that are so out of control today. That's bad news. But Jesus came into this very arena of sin and pain, not to peddle more gloom and doom, but to herald a message of hope. People can be saved from their sins. Their lives can be changed. Isn't that good news? And his preaching was also an urgent message. The time is fulfilled, he said, and the kingdom of God is at hand. He wasn't talking about calendar time. He wasn't talking about the flow of the years of a lifetime, 50 years, 75 years, 100 years. He was talking about crisis time, momentary time, the time for repentance and faith and revival and spiritual life is not always a fruitful time. If you study the ebb and flow of human history, and especially as regards the, the church, the history of the church, you'll find that there were some wonderful times of revival and renewal, and there were some terrible times of backsliding and falling away. God was acting in human history to open the gates of eternal life. But while the gates are open, man must seize the opportunity for deliverance while they are open. There's no time to lose. Some of you could testify today, and I could. If you didn't get in when you did, you may never have gotten in to the kingdom of God. Jesus came into my life in the small town where I grew up, Wheelersburg, Ohio. When I was 13 years old, you say, well, 13, that's not old enough to be in any kind of crisis. Oh, you wouldn't believe the crisis I was in, the anger I felt growing up with three older brothers. And I was the best one of all, and they treated me like dirt. Well, so I thought, and I was mad. I was angry. I, I had all kinds of problems with temper and I remember we four boys growing up, 
five years between the oldest and the youngest, we were known as the terrors of Wheelersburg Nazarene Sunday School. Teachers of our class would retire anywhere from, re- resign rather, anywhere from three to six months. It's all they could stand. <laughs> we thought we were having fun. But that growing up in church was what made the difference in my life. It was important and it was very helpful. The ones who were able to stand it long enough to teach us something, and, and they all did. We love, to this day, we love them. We recognize the error of our ways when we were young. But oh, I tell you, it wasn't until Jesus came. That's the whole point. Jesus came into my heart and life at 13 and made the difference, made the change. The world was a better place. The world was a brighter place. The world was a happier place. It wasn't everybody else all along that was causing me my problems. It was me. And Jesus had me see that. You see, the devil had me on a road to living in the bargain basement of life. You ever been in the bargain basement? Satan does all kinds of things, you know, to take us lower and lower. Because you know what he's doing? He's, he's driving down the price that it will take to get us. The lower we go, we go into the bargain basement of life and he he bids on us real cheap when he gets us there. But Jesus came and he bid on my life and he paid the highest price. He didn't pay a bargain basement price for us. Jesus paid it all with his blood, with his suffering, with his cross. He came into our life. And those of us who have made that step know that that does happen. But we also know that there are others who have missed their opportunity in a time like that and who have come and gone from this holy place, this church, my church, wherever churches are, wherever people gather. And it may be, except for the mercy of God, that they'll never have another chance. It's that critical. When the time and the opportunity comes to let Jesus come into our lives. And what most people who give up hope on people like that, you know, that unsaved husband, that wayward child, that that troublesome time, whatever it is, think that this is never going to change. But the love and the mercy of God has a way of coming again into your life. And I've known people who have wandered away and been gone. It seems like we're never coming back when Jesus came. He made the difference. They made the change. Oh, it's a a time of critical decision-making. We sometimes think, well, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me, and I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I want to think about it a while. We think that, We can make him wait, but you're the one. I'm the one that doesn't have a moment to wait when the time comes, when the time is right, when the circumstances come together and God can move in our lives. We don't have a moment to lose. It's a demanding message, I know. Repent, believe the gospel, obey, turn from your sins, follow his will and his way. That's what we've got to do. Make a clean break with sin and self. 
Jesus came into Galilee. He came to Wheelersburg, Ohio. He came to Medina. He came to wherever people gather. Or maybe, they, like the man in the video, maybe they don't gather. Just moments of time, like Easter Sunday or Christmas Sunday. And we, we can see that as an opportunity for Jesus to come into their life and make that change. Oh, Satan's still opposed and wicked men still try to prevail against the good news of the gospel. But theirs is bad news. His is good news, and it will always prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the work of the church when they work through the power of the Spirit and the faithful obedience that we owe to him. Has he saved you from your sin? Has he met with you in the darkness of your present hour? Or maybe even, my, the joys of life. What opportunities when we, when we have the joys of life and the blessings of God for us to improve even on that. God's giving us an opportunity to work for him and to work with him. Make him welcome in your life. Let him come into your life. Don't let the day get so dark or the sin get so deep or whatever it is you're experiencing that you do not look up as Jesus did and saw the heavens open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, preparing him for the work of the kingdom that God had sent him to do. Nobody can prevail against that. He, Jesus is Lord. He's King of kings, Lord of lords. And he's available by faith to all of us today. Let's stand together. I want to just have a brief closing prayer. If there's any of you today, if you want to come to an altar prayer, feel God leading you to come to an altar prayer for whatever reason, that's fine. We can, we can do that. But you can do this right in your seat. You can do this as you go out those doors and you go home and in a quiet moment with God, say, Lord, I need you in my life. Will you come? And he'll say, I thought you'd never ask. Like the old farmer, Farmer Fred, was so sick. He's having a, probably an appendicitis or something. They rushed him to the hospital. He's laying there in his bed in agony, and he looked up to God and said, Where are you, God? I haven't heard from you. And he said to Farmer Fred, I need to hear from you first. <laughs> That's what it is. Where are you, God? He's, he's here. He's always here. He's always with us. We just don't always open the way for him to come. Shall we pray? Father, thank you today. Thank you that you came to our world. Thank you for the stories of the gospel. Thank you for the history of the church. Thank you for the revivals that have come to many ages when times were desperate. And Lord, we confess that we're living in a desperate time today. We need revival. We need the power of God working in our lives. We need to open up our hearts to you and, and let you come into our life and let you be Lord of all. So Father, bless us as we go from this place of worship and power in the presence of God. May we realize that your presence goes with us and that you have come for our good. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would lead us through whatever situation. Lead us to some soul today. Lead us to someone who needs you today. We ask in Jesus' name.